Yeah, so today um, I want to talk about a question that we, that we ask a lot, and that, that question is why. And the reason that I want to ask this is because I think that the, the disciples, the people who had been following Jesus, his family, his mother, those close to him, when they saw what was happening on Good Friday, they were probably asking why. Because they didn't understand what was going to happen. You know, the disciples didn't expect Jesus to come back to life any more than we would expect somebody to come back to life. They didn't know what was going on. And that is a question that, that is a foundation of the human experience, I think. You know, that question, why? Questions like, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And I think under that question is, is another question that kind of says, why do bad things keep happening to me? The question is, hey, why does God seem absent? Why does God seem so distant, especially when I need him the most? Or why does death have to happen? Why does it have to happen? Why does it hurt so deeply? These, these why questions are not just intellectual thoughts. These are very deep things that we, we, struggle, we struggle with. And so today, I want to address that question of why head on. And I want to answer it for you once and for all. And the way that we're going to do that, the way I want to do that is by replacing the question why with the question who. You know, who's someone who's experienced pain and suffering more than any other human in history? You know, who's someone who, is, who has truly experienced the soul-crushing abandonment and separation from God? Who is someone who experienced death so acutely and defeated it so that it loses its pain and its power once and for all. You know, and, and as I look around, I see a lot of young people, you know, and I get to work with young people here at the church. And, and I know as kids, you wrestle with this question too. You ask why, you know, why won't my parents let me stay up later? You know, why won't they let me have candy for breakfast? Why, you know, why, but you have real questions. Why do mom and dad fight? Why, why did, why did so-and-so get sick? Why did these things happen? This is an experience that everybody has, right? But when we see Jesus on the cross, we understand that he is the answer to our deepest why questions. And so I want to read this verse chapter from John chapter 9, verse 28. When Jesus is getting closer to death, he knew that his mission was now finished. And, and to fill, fill, fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. Now, of all the things that Jesus said when he was on the cross, this one really sticks out to me. Because what is that significance of him being thirsty? Well, on one hand, Jesus' life fulfilled all of the prophecies about the, uh, in the Old Testament about the Messiah. And one of those prophecies in the book of Psalms talked about how the Messiah would hunger and thirst. And so Jesus is fulfilling that by saying that he's thirsty. It's, 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 it's evidence of what is unfolding on the cross is, is, not, just, is not something that happened, but it is God's plan. It's, it's awful to say it's awful what happened to Jesus, but we understand that it, God was in control the whole time. So we understand that Jesus was fulfilling what was said was going to happen to him, but on the other hand, it points to Jesus as a human. Jesus thirsts like we thirst. Jesus experiences pain like we experience pain. And when he expresses that he's thirsty, he's essentially saying, I am like you. I'm like you in every single way. 
We have a God who in the form of a human can relate to us in every single way. And we can see this in the clearest way when, he, when we see Jesus ask the Father why, which is, of course, a question that we ask and ask God all the time. Matthew 27, 46 says this, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. And it, and it goes on and it says, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We often think that Jesus' pain, physical pain on the cross, was the worst part of the crucifixion. In fact, a word, um, excruciating, was created in order to properly describe the amount of pain that Jesus physically took on the cross. And while the physical pain would have been absolutely unbearable, it paled in comparison to the relational and spiritual pain that Jesus felt as he experienced separation from the Father. But what caused him to be separated from the Father? Well, we understand that Jesus took on sin in our place. And so it was our sin. It was our guilt. It was our regrets. It's our broken promises. It's our destructive habits. It's our past. It's our insistence on living for ourselves and our purposes and pushing God away that put Jesus on the cross. It was the sin and the evil that has wreaked havoc on humanity since the very beginning of time, these things have caused all of us to be separated from the Father. And because of that, Jesus took them on. Because of this, we needed God himself to do something on our behalf to make us right with him again. And so when Jesus takes all of this on himself, he faced abandonment. He faced forsakenness. The separation from the Father that we deserved he took it on the cross so that we would never have to be separated from God ever again. And so when it feels like God has abandoned us or he's forgotten us, he's forgotten about us because of the hardship that we go through, which are very real, the pain we experience, which is very real, we can turn our pain, we can turn our eyes from our pain to Jesus who experienced more pain than ever Jesus, who took our pain, who took our guilt, who took our shame, who took our sin, who took our death on himself. Jesus was forsaken so that you and I, we don't ever have to be again. The cross is a reminder that Jesus will never abandon us, but it's also a promise that he has paid the price for us once and for all. John 19.30 says this, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Now, when he said it is finished, he used this word tetelestai, which in the Greco-Roman world, that meant that, that word was stamped on receipts when they were paid in full. And so the word, the word tetelestai was the last word that Jesus spoke before he took his last breath and died. And the meaning has two parts. From the very beginning of Genesis, from the very beginning of humanity, up until that very moment, everything that was fulfilled in the Messiah is now complete and finished for good. But greater than that, it also means that our sin, our death, our debt to God has been stamped paid in full, which means that we don't have to try to be good enough 
to offset the things that we've done. We don't have to try to earn God's favor. We don't have to try to, we don't have to, try to earn God's love. We don't have to try to tip the scale in our favor because now we have favor with God through Jesus. No need to worry about any, anymore about, okay, have I been good enough to get into heaven someday? Because your eternity with Jesus, your eternity in heaven with him has been, has been secured. It has been guaranteed. And you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, like, all right, well, how do I know for sure? Because, like, I've done some, some pretty bad things in my life. Well, my favorite scene in all of Scripture, you might be think I'm weird for thinking this, but, but is a little bit earlier when Jesus is on the cross, he's, he's crucified between two criminals. And, and, and in some versions of the Bible, it says, some translations, it says thieves, right? The problem is that you don't get capital punishment. You don't get executed for, you know, just being a petty thief. These weren't just camel thieves, all right? These were rotten human beings. And, and so, so he's crucified on the cross between these two criminals. And at first, both of these criminals are openly mocking Jesus. But as time goes on, one of them comes to his senses and realizes that Jesus is the Messiah and asks Jesus to remember him when he's coming into his kingdom. And Jesus' response to the criminal is both shocking and reassuring. He says this, Luke 23, 43, he says, Jesus replied, I assure you today you'll be with me in paradise. So here's a guy that from all outside perspective, if you would have looked at this guy and you would have said, hey, if anybody's going to hell, it's that guy. He's going to hell because of the things that he's done. He's even being crucified for what he's done, right? But he looks at Jesus and he realizes who he is, who he realizes who he is, and he says, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. So here's a horrible human being being executed, hands and feet, nailed to a cross, can't do any of the things that we think earn us God's favor. Can't do anything good, can't get baptized can't go to Bible study, can't go on a mission trip, can't give money to the church, can't do any of those things, and he was with Jesus in heaven that day, which is incredible. So Jesus gives him assurance, and he gives us that same assurance, which is comforting, isn't it? So what this shows is that no matter what you've done, when you finally, because no matter what you've done, you're probably not as bad as that criminal on the cross, that when you finally realize who Jesus is, who he says he is, and you put your faith in him, he guarantees eternal paradise for those who recognize him as Lord and Savior and place their faith in him. So when we look at Jesus on the cross, our focus should go from why to who. Who knows our pain personally? and can relate with us. It's Jesus. You know, who was literally forsaken and abandoned and separated from the Father so that we would never have to be? It's Jesus. And who overcame death itself so that we could be with him forever? It's Jesus. So I want you to let those truths just sit deep in your heart and let them, let them move you to sing and to worship as we, as we focus on the words of this song about Jesus giving his life away for us.